You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Good to have you here. As you well know, this is an e-commerce podcast. And we're a cutting-edge Shopify theme based on years of research and hard-won experience. And so as I was learning about the potential it has, my irises went from a circular dark shade of hazel to a vibrant green in the shape of an S with two little nubs sticking out of the top and bottom. I went to the doctor. I'm, I'm fine. I thought about it plenty. And I came to a few conclusions. One, Toronto is an expensive place to live. Two, I can't move to Austin, Texas until I figure out how to get American citizenship. Or maybe it's Houston. Chipper has a better downtown core. Three, I have a lot of projects I want to fund. Four, this can go on all day. And five, if I'm really going to put my money where my mouth is and vice versa, then I should take my own jump into e-commerce. I've been very open about where I'm at in life. And for a lot of you, taking the plunge might be a bit nerve-wracking. So I'm going to do it first and tell you all about what happens. If I succeed, I'll tell you how I went right. If I fail, or as I like to call it, struggle in perpetuity, I'll also let you know how things are going wrong. Let me start with my background in this field, because I'm green but I'm not totally new. My first crack at e-commerce was a webcomic, which is still going to this day. My job isn't to promote my own stuff, so I'll leave it there. My goal was to make a comic label that could go toe-to-toe with the big boys. Obviously, that's youthful idealism talking, but I went for it nonetheless. My plan was to sell them both in print and digitally. There's something about saying digitally. I don't know. That's virtually? Electronically? I'm going to have to say digitally, but I don't know. I struggle with that one. Anyways, at the time, I was living at home, but working part-time at my luxury watch job. So I saved up money, hoping to focus it primarily on marketing. But I learned that there are illustrators who work for free, but are not obligated to get back to me and the ones who are good cost money. Keep in mind, I've tried to learn to draw. I have had little success. I lack the knack. I'm a knack lacker. After a year of consistently putting out material, I was ready to advertise. I did so using Project Wonderful, which is an artist-focused ad network where different websites can sign up to have Project Wonderful ads displayed there. It hasn't taken off the way I envisioned it, but it wasn't a waste either. Having given it a go, I learned some lessons and took some lumps. Having a website to call my own allows me to show my writing skills to any prospective job or interested party, something I still haven't played to this day. I paid someone a grand to design a website, and it was, single-handedly, the worst financial investment I ever made, bar none. You should only be paying people to do things if you do not have the time to do it yourself, or are so abysmally incompetent you cannot do it. I was competent enough to design a website. I was more drawn in by the allure of having a high-profile web designer. In the long run, it did nothing for me, and I mean that. In fact, it ended up holding me back substantially. Once the design guru left the business, knowing there were only so many people she could rip off, the template she used for my site ended up being unable to update unless I paid the extra money to the template provider directly to gain ownership. That was mistake one through six. The seventh mistake was budgeting for artists Paying artists in of itself was not a mistake, but 
I know what it's like to not get paid what I deserve in the past. One client I worked for for four years paid me 15 to 20 dollars Canadian for three to four hours of work. It was acceptable at first when I was just starting out, but four years later and several pushbacks later, it not only wasn't worth my time and well-being, it was a net loss. Paying artists what they deserve encourages them to continue pursuing their craft, but the costs add up pretty quickly. And the comic industry is 90% about continuing subscriptions, monthly releases, and on the webcomic front, it's expected to have content out weekly, if not sooner. Once I lost my job due to a new district manager's scorched earth policy, that's when I set out to be a freelancer, which put my ability to earn back about six years. I also wasn't a big fan of social media. I made it work as I warmed up to the platform, but I never quite got the ball rolling on it. As I said, the webcomic stands to this day. And long as I can afford the site fees, it's sticking around. As a rule, when I set out to make something, I intend to make it for life. So while the webcomic hasn't been updated in years, I made sure the material could hold up as best it could. My next attempt at e-commerce was a 3D printer. This one was a disaster out of the box. I and four others wanted to put our money together to own a printer. And I had an image in my head of custom printed figurines, statues, knickknacks, phone cases. What we lacked in bulk, we didn't make up for in customization. Unfortunately, although the genesis of the project wasn't mine, I blame myself as if it were. Three of the five quit, and I lacked any capacity to help construct the thing. Although we got it to work, and it still does to this day, the prospect of turning it into a business is well beyond my grasp. The lesson I learned there is don't order a 3D printer in pieces. The money you save won't be worth it. If you're a genius and are into this sort of thing, you probably already have one. But to the rest of you, spend the extra money and get one ready to go. Where I was able to succeed with e-commerce, and I mean that broadly in getting paid online to do stuff, was my service side as a freelance editor. Thanks to the magic of Upwork and community posting boards like Facebook and Craigslist, I was able to work on over 20 projects, some paying very well, some not so much. What mattered is I was able to start seeing some return early on. Poultry, but it was there. And it made all the difference. With the lessons I learned and the knowledge I have now, I turned to e-commerce as a new opportunity to hopefully gen some rev. But on a deeper level, to get to know myself better and to take what I do know and apply it here. For a lot of you, getting into e-commerce might be your first venture. Where being 30, I've got a few of those under my belt to wildly varying degrees of success. What I'm going to share with you is my thought process for how I'd approach it. Think of it as a self-assessment. I recommend you do one of these as well. First question, what's my goal? I'll be super upfront with you about this. My modest goal is three grand a month, Canadian. It's not a lot, but it's been a consistent amount of money in my mind. I have much larger goals as well as beyond money, but until we achieve matter synthesis and can generate anything we want for free, money comes first. Question two, what kind of store do I want to run? I have a few ideas in mind, having a high degree of artistic inclinations. I do lean more towards customizable products, as I like to encourage people to find their individuality. But my first go of a store, I think it'd be better to focus on something less involved so I can better understand the process. Without giving every last detail away, my first ideal store would be a reflection of my own lifestyle. Useful trinkets and gadgets, productivity boosters, small innovations that make life incrementally better. What I don't lead towards are pets, because I'm O2 with plants so far. I don't see me doing fashion, but I guess we'll see. My third question is, what's my edge? We can all approach this with a set of strengths and setbacks. 
Spoiler alert, question four is about setbacks. My edge is creativity and authenticity. So where I can see myself excelling is in the branding and advertising. I also have a strong visual brain and intend to make the store look slick. When it comes to products, I only intend to sell products I use, as I want to rely on story selling and personal opinion to facilitate trust. Question four. My biggest setback would probably be budget and inexperience, which I've learned through experience can be a lethal combination. Question five. How do I overcome my setbacks? So with regards to the experience, I'm counting on Debutify to be there for me on the back end so I can focus on the user experience and creativity. For the budget, this is something I struggled with all my life. I didn't actually know savings accounts generate interest until I was 26. Before then, I thought you just put money in the bank to prevent it from being robbed. <sighs> in preparation for this, I opened up a new savings account and labeled it Business Fund. In fact, let me tell you how I manage my budget. I have a checking, a joint account with my partner eventually to make a down payment on a condo. Hopefully one with a pool. She and I agree our destiny is to live in a box in the sky. I have a government-backed TFSA, which is a tax-free savings account, which I save for emergencies or potential litigations. I wish that was a joke. I have one fund set up for traveling and one for artists, owing back to what I was talking about earlier. All in all, about $400 are taken out of my checking on a monthly basis and spread out over the different funds. Note that amount can change. A wise economist by the name of Peter Schiff said, a healthy indicator is not how much money someone is spending, but how much they're saving. If things get tight, it's easier to minimize the saving budget rather than have to suddenly take from the savings money that wasn't intended to be spent in that way. You'd be surprised how much more responsible you can be with your money if you have things you prioritize transferred into separate accounts automatically, and how easy it is to call people's bluff when they've been talking about taking a trip to Japan for 10 years. Question six, what am I worried about? In a weird way, success. Having to get other people involved to help run the business is a bit intimidating. I've always worked alongside people as partners, but never as a boss. Getting a bad product, let's say a few go wrong here or there, that's expected. But the idea of a massive bad batch is intimidating. Failure doesn't scare me because fear comes from the unfamiliar. Question seven, how do I alleviate these worries? Well, luckily for me, as an employee of the company, they do have my back. However, the purpose of this experiment is to emulate the experience of going through it on my own. So when I get to the point where I'm asking for help, all the help I get, I will share with you. We want to help you. So the first action I took was actually a year ago, before I met the company at all. And that was, I registered my business as a sole proprietorship. I had the option to incorporate, but it was more expensive, and not necessary, frankly, as I intended to be in full control of my operation anyways. Being a registered business owner allows me to declare expenses on my annual taxes. I'm very careful about this too, by the way. I tend to want to stay out of the government's way. If there's a program that can get me some more money, I tend to encourage my tax filer, which as of 2019 was H&R Block, not to push for it unless there's absolutely nothing to worry about. I declare all of my income and declare any expenses that I absolutely positively need to run my business. Some people will declare stuff that they can kind of justify as a business expense. I choose to stick to stuff that was 100% for the business, for karma if nothing else. Different people will give you different advice on this subject. In fact, one very good piece of advice I learned from an episode I edited on an unrelated show is to open up a second credit card so that you can track your business expenses separately. I haven't done this because I've gotten into the tradition of downloading my yearly transactions and manually going through them, highlighting business expenses as I go. 
It helps to see what my spending habits were like at a year and a glance. <sighs> so many visits to A&W. You may have noticed I go to a tax filer, which ties back to my point from earlier in this episode. Don't pay someone to do something for you unless you do not have the time or are not competent enough to do it. When it comes to taxes, it's definitely a time problem. Totally time. You definitely don't have the time. The second reason why I go to a professional filer is, if you recall my episode on cryptocurrency, assuming you're listening to these in order, it's because going to a professional costs more money, but it saves me time and saves me anxiety. You can find a lot of great small business people with a great hustle. Our family goes to a travel agent nearby who knows her stuff, but my family isn't running a business. So going to a large branded company just gives me that extra sense of security that a corporation is able to address any issues down the line. Also, as of beginning this prospect, I had to make an amendment to my master business license. As it says, my form of work is content production. Uh, I just reached out to owner to let them know it also needs to include e-commerce, and they got back to me and said you can contact the government and make the amendment. I've, I've done this before when I had a previous business license. The good news is, being a sole proprietor, I only had one person to go to make that call. The second part is to know what my business names are and what's the general idea. I shared this with you already, so part three is to register my domains. They aren't attached yet to the Shopify site. However, registering a domain name is one of the quickest and cheapest things you can do to save yourself from a massive problem if someone takes your idea. For a good long while, I was using GoDaddy, and I recommend them if you also intend to use their web design services, as I have for other projects. That way you can get a package deal. But since we're taking the domain over to Shopify, Senpai, my teacher, recommends signing up with ipage.com. Now, part four. This is where things are about to get granular. Time to sign up for Shopify. Here's what happened so you know what to expect. First, I was asked for a name, email, and store name. At the time, I didn't have my store name email set up, so I swiftly opened up one on Gmail, intending to switch to a store email later, which can be done. The next step was account setup. I was taken through a brief questionnaire, and I'm going through everything for you so that you'll be ready to answer them lickety split. Are you already selling? The options are, I'm just playing around. I'm not selling products yet. I'm selling, but not online. I sell with a different system. I went with, I'm just playing around. And at this point, I recommend setting up a burner address just so that you can try stuff out without eating into your trial. Number two, what's your current revenue? You can choose zero, just starting up to five grand, five to 50 G, 50 to 250, 250 to a mil, and a mil and up. If any millionaires are listening, let me know what goes through your thought process when setting up a Shopify store. Question three is, which industry will you be operating in? We got beauty, clothing, electronics, furniture, handcrafts, jewelry, painting, photography, restaurants, groceries, other food and drink, sports, toys, services, virtual services, other, and undecided. As a human, other, the choice for me was clear. Number four, are you setting up a store for a client? I did not check the box. Also, as a fun Easter egg, I did not select anything and I was able to move on to the next step, adding an address so you can get paid. You should know how to do this, but I did say I was going to be granular, so first name, last name, address, apartment, numbers, city, country, province, postal code, phone, and business or personal website, which is optional. You can also check that this store is a registered business. For my main store, I did not check this, because while I have a registered business, the store in of itself is not. If I have an issue with this, I'll be taking it up with myself. I wish that were a joke. Once I arrived at the Shopify homepage, there is a lot to see and do. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that the trial lasts for three months. If you absolutely positively are not going to set up a burner account, the more you know going in, the better. 
Now this is a policy I can get behind because it gives you three months to get the ball rolling. Shopify expects you to be able to afford the plans with the revenue you get from doing the business on there. The plans are basic for 29 USD, 79 for standard and 299 for advanced. The thing to keep in mind is a lot of these features are intended for in-person slash in-store transactions. What was a little trickier to find is the Shopify Lite plan, which is only $9 USD and can be integrated onto exterior websites such as WordPress and Tumblr. This is something key you may want to think about in case you're proficient on another web platform and want to install Shopify there. Back to what's happening here, you'll be greeted with a welcome video. Next up, you can add your first product, customize your theme and add a domain. I have to say, I've been around on the net for some time now, and I remember trying to set up a game review website on GeoCities. Things have gotten a lot more streamlined. Speaking of streamlined, now would be a good time to talk about where Debutify comes into this. In order to install Debutify, I headed to Debutify.com and downloaded it, where I was asked to connect it to my Shopify store. From there, it's installed onto my app section. You'll receive some notifications from the staff who are ready to assist you, and same as for Shopify, Debutify offers some trials to let you know what to expect. So again, just playing around on a burner site would take a lot of the guesswork out of your first look around. The four Debutify plans are free, which gives you access to the Facebook group for support, and the main draw, which is the theme, customized and crafted from years of top-level experience, followed by Start for 19 a month, which gets you continued support via email and live chat, any three add-ons and integrations, 47 a month, which gets you all 28 of the add-ons, and Guru at 97 a month, which lets you use the theme on three stores, mentoring, product research, and advanced courses. So, as with Shopify's plan, the idea here is to get the ball rolling and then reinvest the money you earned to upgrade your backend. I'm gonna make a recommendation here, which is once you start your Shopify, set up as much as you can. Once you're ready to install Debutify, this way you'll have the best environment to test this stuff out. But if not, we're not leaving you in the cold. Once your trial is up and you haven't decided to commit, you can still run a store. What you can do is observe activity and decide what apps would be core to your business. Wanna know what the apps are? Here's a few. Animate the add to cart button, use a countdown timer in the cart drawer or page, let customers enter a discount before checkout, free shipping if a certain amount of money is being spent, show an approximate delivery time, show stock amount, don't show the product out of stock, show upsell options, protect your store from being copied, integrate product videos, and lastly, but not finally, display a newsletter with a coupon code in case a customer is gonna leave. Savvy customers will know to attempt to leave, but a sale is a sale. While the Debutify Hustler trial is ongoing, it also provides products to pique one's interest. There are a few other features you'll be greeted with, a help center, FAQ, the Shopify community, video courses and guides, a special section specific for COVID-19 related issues. On your menu, you'll have access to pages related to your orders, products, customers, analytics, marketing, discounts, and apps where Debutify is currently installed. The apps is probably the section that is most intriguing as Debutify is competing among thousands of other services. The bottom line is, this is a business model intended to push you towards success, which only boosts their success. All right, that is it for now. So as far as I got, I know it's not exceedingly far yet, but we'll be back. What about you? How far have you gotten? Let us know where you're at. You can email podcast at debutify.com. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. 
We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.